This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's head into the prairies where the government of Manitoba is calling on the public to hear their thoughts on proposed regulations for its disability support program. Megan Gilmore is an accessibility reporter and joins us from Ottawa to tell you a bit more. Hey, good morning, Megan. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm well, Megan. I think I shared some of these details in an accessibility story roundup a couple of days ago, but I need a reminder because this can get quite dense. So what is the act that these regulations fall under? Okay, so in 2019, there were calls from disability advocates to create a a separate income support program specifically for individuals with disabilities in Manitoba. And that uh, was formed more or less about a year ago. So in October 2021, the Manitoba government passed Bill 72, which is the Disability Support Act and amendments to the Manitoba Assistance Act, which created a separate income support for people with disabilities. Before there was disability support, but it was under the Employment and Income Assistance Program. Now they're like creating a whole separate program that is specifically for disabilities. So what is being proposed under these particular regulations? Right. So in general, these regulations are outlining the the amounts of money that people will get, uh, the asset tests, um, how how you're eligible for this program, right? So it has this definition of disability uh, that includes that the disability must be severe and prolonged, and that there must be an assessment done under this regulation to determine that the disability results in a person experiencing significant barriers to the activities of daily living or full participation in society. Okay, so let's start Mm -hmm. talking about some of the reaction here. Let's start on the positive side. What are some of the benefits or presumed benefits under these changes? Sure. So first of all, like this could be interpreted as the government responding, right, to the needs that people were bringing forward. Uh, There was a grassroots movement in Manitoba saying we need something separate for individuals with disabilities. We get a lot, right? So that could be interpreted as a very good thing, right? People are always saying government doesn't listen to us. Well, maybe they did. Uh, And then uh, specifically, um, we say the devil's in the details, right? So it is, it can be helpful to have a list of what specifically a support benefit program will look like, right? And this also would contain information about how you would appeal decisions if if you disagreed with something, right? So there there is a social services tribunal, they they can look at things. So details can be really helpful for people when it comes to planning their lives. So I think some of the criticism may may have already even slipped into our benefits conversation, but what are some <laughs> of the criticisms that have that have emerged here? Okay. So uh, like you said, there's um, obviously going to be some criticism. So one actually has to do with what the amount of benefits are. And there's right, which concern. is like like that's right. like fundamentally important, that's right? Like right. It, right. it doesn't matter how much self-determination you give me as a person with a chronic disability. If you're only giving me eight hundred bucks a month, it's still not helpful. 
Right, right. So like the question is always, is this enough? So just I'm going to throw some numbers out there. I'll try not to put too many. I know this is a lot. So for example, when you are being determined to be eligible under these regulations, uh, you are allowed to have liquid assets of up to $4,000 a person or $16,000 a household, uh, just for some comp uh, comparisons. In Ontario, I believe actually right now it's $40,000 a person. It used to be $4,000 and then it got raised. Thank, thank, no, it used to be $5,000 they got raised. Thank the Lord. Um, and underneath these proposed regulations, uh, an, ind an individual can receive up to $500 a month in gifts. That would be $600 a year if my income is correct and $12,000 of annual net income is exempted. Okay. Uh, right. So that's like, so let's, okay, let's, let's, let's break that. Let's break that down one more time, Megan. Like I said, those numbers yeah. can get a little bit wild and like there's yeah. some jargon kind of attached to that. Yeah. So in terms so, of, a, in terms of a liquid asset, $4,000 for an individual, $16,000 for a household, that essentially yeah. means like cash or stocks and bonds, something yes. that can be translated into like monetary currency on a minute's right notice right away. Yes. Okay. Boom. Yeah. $500 of worth of gifts per month. Maybe say you've got a parent or a sibling or someone who's helping you out, giving you $500 a month. $500 that's a also, month. that's also going to be an exempted. And then you also have yeah. $12,000 a year of income that can also net be income. exempted net income, which can be yeah. exempted as well. Right. So that's things that can be exempted. Then when it comes to monthly income support that the government will give you, like the benefits, some of the numbers that are being thrown out here is for the income support portion uh, for a single adult, no dependents is $532.04. I always get impressed by the cents that get thrown out. Well, those four cents are critical. Right, totally. What if and you then, want to buy a fuzzy peach at the dip and earth? <laughs> Exactly. What if you do? Um, and then housing, uh, in the case of a single person, if the cost of utilities is included in the rent, that's $673 a month. So you would add that to the $532.04. So you're still looking at around $1,100, I believe. So you mentioned housing right there, Megan. Yeah. What stood out to you when you read about this information on housing? I think beyond sort of the, the, the bottom line number. Right. So, um, and there is a lot of information in these regulations about uh, the bottom line number. The government talks about having this set to like 75% of median market rent. Um, what I think is interesting actually about that isn't necessarily the percentage, it's that it's tied to median market rent. So built into that, there is this assumption that you will always be renting. Uh, so as a millennial, I've kind of accepted that, but um, there is baked into these programs, this assumption that if you have a disability, you will be renting your home. You will not be pursuing home ownership. And then second of all, this is an interesting thing to consider when we talk about housing accessibility, like we have several times on this program, in these regulations, the government set the government of Manitoba sets out how much money they believe individuals should get based on the type of uh, dwelling that they say a family of a certain size needs. So, for example, they say that a two-person household with one minor dependent, so think like two adults and a child, should have a two-bedroom apartment. But then they say a household with three or four persons also should have a two-bedroom apartment. But depending, I would argue that depending on how an, an actual family unit or household unit looks, 
two bedrooms isn't enough for three or four people, right? Like, what if you have, what if there's a couple and they have two children, but the children are five or six years apart in age? Do we, do they want to share a bedroom? Uh, so it's, it's this interesting thing if you actually go through the regulations to think about like how a government program like this is, what, what it's saying about how they think people should should live. And then there's this whole other interesting wrinkle in there where uh, some of the income that's exempted, so um, it won't be counted against you in terms of benefits for determining eligibility. Uh, if you're a foster parent and you're receiving income from the government to help you be a good foster parent, that is exempt. And also a certain amount of income that you would earn if you have a boarder or a renter, that's also exempt. But but I'll, but I just had this question of, but if the government is prescribing how big they think your unit should be, how much are you able to rent? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Megan, I'm going to put these two questions together because we're yeah. inside the consultation period now. So how much yeah. longer is in the consultation period? Then what's the target date for this regulation to come into effect? So the consultation ends on October 30th. The uh, target for the regulation to come into effect um, is still a little unclear, but the next election in Manitoba will be at the latest early October 2023. So uh, there is some hope that this would all be in place before then. Uh, And some people I've heard from have said that uh, some elements of this new program that was created under the Disability Support Act that was passed last year will be rolling out as early as January. Uh, But they but there's also concerns about um, how eligibility is going to be determined and all Mm -hmm. those things. But uh, yeah, so we have about a year at the far end of it, it sounds like. Yeah, the fact that there's like an evaluation of your disability attached to this regulation, I can see that's going to create some major, major speed bumps and road bumps along the way here too in terms of a rollout. Megan, we're talking here about an income support provincially, Mm. but we know this is timely from a national perspective. What's What's coming down the pipeline today? Right, so today, according to the House order paper, the Canada Disability Benefit will be coming up for second reading in the House of Commons. Traditionally, how this works is something goes to second reading and then it goes to committee. So uh, we may we may find out, Dave, if there's more details. We might. This could happen. <laughs> we may. We may find details. Details, we may. It's a possibility. We can, possible. we can live on the edge of our seats. Uh, yeah. Megan, I should warn you, we're like a teensy bit tight for time here, but you've got a okay. story about some travel nightmares that you wanted to share. <laughs> you got about two minutes. Lay it on me. Okay, so... You may have been seeing some news reports about terrible service that people or non-service people have received on airlines recently, wheelchairs being damaged, the whole thing. Uh, I was on Via Rail last night. I have, I've always had great experiences with Via Rail Canada until last night when I was supposed to leave Union Station in Toronto at 5.30ish. I was sitting in an area marked for, I was told it was for pre-boarding. I went and I did my pre-boarding. I was sitting in my chair, very proud of myself for having found my chair. A man comes up to me, says I'm sitting in his chair. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is car five. Uh, We compare tickets and he informs me that I'm actually sitting on a chair heading to Windsor, not to Ottawa. That's the other way. Yeah, that, that is the other way for all you non-Ontario. So, um, yeah, I was I took pre-boarding and I accidentally got pre-boarded on the wrong train. Um, yeah, and then I got to get moved to another train and then they like, were like, oh, we'll upgrade your ticket. That will make it all better. And I was like, I just want to go home and sleep. Did like, you did you get on your actual 530 train though or no? No, 
no, no, because it left. Like we can't, we, I, so my fellow passengers were very helpful, got me off the train and we got off the train in time to see my 5.30 train leave. Huh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. it was really, great. Really lovely day. Uh, Union Station is a nightmare. It's oh, not, it's, it's, it's not as bad as Pearson Airport, but it's bad. Union yeah. has got to be one of the, one of the worst train stations in the, in this, in the country. And listen, I've been to the Vancouver train station. I've been to Montreal. I've been to other major train stations. Union's bad, man. Everything in yeah. Toronto is bad. This city is like, honest to God, the worst. Like Toronto stinks. I know people say, oh, it's the center of the universe. It's culture, blah, blah, blah. It's the worst. Every major institution in this city stinks. So this is just a reminder that municipal elections are coming up next month. If you would like to write in Dave Brown on your municipal ballot in Toronto, you could do that. The world of municipal municipal politics is not ready for me. Megan, thank you for this. You're welcome. Have a good day. That's Megan Gilmore, an accessibility reporter. And you'll hear from Megan next week on the show as part of uh, these new roundtables that we're doing. But in the meantime, if you want to follow Megan on social media, on Twitter, you can follow her at Megan Gilmore. That's M E. A-G-A-N-G-I-L-L-M-O-R-E. I like the way Andrika spelled this out for me in the script with dashes. That's well done, Andrika. You get a $2 fine retracted for doing such good work. At Megan Gilmore on Twitter. M-E-A-G-A-N-G-I-L-L-M-O-R-E. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Juita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.